0: To the Casey City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. He loves you. Let's let's close our eyes this morning and let's uh, let's pray. I want to pray a prayer that someone actually sent me this morning. Um, it's from Ephesians chapter six, verse ten to twelve. Galatians chapter one, verse ten. I believe this is a prayer. God bless this morning. I pray that this morning's message will travel a long way into the hearts of people. May they be totally transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom. Amen. Amen, may we be transformed hallelujah I think that's our that 's our goal right church isn 't it exciting again to be to come together i know it's uh we 're not together physically but to come together even in the context of just uniting our hearts around worship around prayer around the word and uh, and and communion too oh I was just looking at the uh I was I was I was looking at the TV screen instead of the camera. So, folks, so sometimes if you do see me looking somewhere else, it's because I forgot that the camera is right in front of me. Hallelujah. You know, this this morning we want to we we want to look at uh, the fourth beatitude. So we are on a series of the of the beatitudes. It's out of the Sermon of the Mount. The Sermon of the Mount is 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 quite a. Uh, um, comprehensive sermon i would say it it fills uh, it, it it fills so many different things it has so many different segments to it and elements to it rather and the beatitudes is 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 one of that and you know uh, i may have mentioned it last week but i i don't think it's it hurts to say it again that excuse me that Jesus begins to bring the 12, and then there are these masses that also come, but specifically begins to speak to them, and he, he teaches them. First, and and he shares with them the the whole beatitudes, right? And he and he explains to them now these are the steps; these are like those, those ladders that you get to move into. And then, following that, he allows them to to see the works that he is doing, right? And so Jesus is, you know, he he conducts all of these miracles and he shows them from a practical standpoint. And then in chapter ten, which is which is uh, really uh, vital here is this in chapter 10 he sends them out he sends the 12 disciples but but today I want to I want to ask you a question uh from a book that I've been that I've been reading and the and the question is this are you walking or riding right and and I want to read a portion from that now in in 1 Kings chapter 4 31 the composer of more than a thousand songs and author of three thousand proverbs Imagine the books and CDs he could sell (laughs) if that was the case, right? He could intelligently discuss trees, animals, birds, insects, and fish. And he was no ignoramus when it came to buildings, horses, money, or sad to say, idolatrous woman. He was keen. He was a keen observer of the world around him and was able to draw wisdom from events that would appear insignificant to people. And one day he looked out of his window and saw some travelers going by, some walking and some riding horses, and he wrote in his journal, can you, can you guess who this person is? And if you can, I would love for you to just type it into the chat column, right? Okay, I'm going to give you about three, three seconds to type it in. Come on. Guess who it is. There is an evil. This is what he says. There is an evil. I have seen under the sun the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Taken from Ecclesiastes 10, chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. And so the writer now begins to explain this. And he says this, Princes are supposed to ride on horses and their slaves are supposed to walk beside them. But Solomon, now you've got it. But Solomon saw the situation reversed. Those who were supposed to serve were ruling and those who were supposed to rule were serving. The world was topsy-turvy. And it, is, it still is today. So take, for example, the marvelous machine we call the human body. God made it to be the servant of the spirit, but in the lives of many people, it is the master. The appetites ride on horseback while the spirit trudges along on foot. The same reversal exists when it comes to money and material things. God gave them to be our servants, but somehow they have become our masters. God created us to rule as his heirs and everything else to be our servant. Now, rule over means, in Genesis chapter 128, it means to live like a king. So, Adam was, uh, was the first king who was to rule in that paradise, in that place called paradise. But he gave up his kingship. Then comes the second Adam, Jesus, as a king. And I'm going to expound on that a little bit more and share a little bit more on that. But I want to say this, too many people are acting like servants when in fact they are princes, heirs to the king. So who are you today, prince? Do you feel that you are act, you are acting as a king, as an heir? Or do you feel like as if you're a slave, a servant? So let's Turn with me to Matthew chapter five, verse six. We are looking at the the fourth beatitude, where it says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled." Right. This is going to be a part one, part two uh, message, basically because of the the, the whole construct of this uh, of this particular beatitude. It's quite a quite a um, there's 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 so much to speak about thirsting and about righteousness, about his righteousness and about us being his righteousness as well. So I want to do it in a part one, part two message, right? And verse six says this, blessed are those, say it with me, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I love, the, I love this aspect of the beatitudes because it it, it gives you uh, it it makes a statement. Blessed are those. This is the statement. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who. And then the response of that happens. So, if if you are this, that's what's going to be. That's what's going to be happening. So our fourth beatitude. Uh, in effect, deals with. What do you think does it deal with? It deals with some with something that we are so accustomed to, right? Deals with our appetite for the things of God, and it deals with and it, and it uses the word hunger and thirst. So, food and water were two necessities that um, two two necessities that the Israelites could really relate to a lot. Right, so whenever, wherever you turn to, you'd see dry land, and especially true, it, it, it's so true in, in Palestine during the time that Jesus walked on the earth. His listeners could relate as food and water were used very, very carefully because it was scarce, right? It was scarce. So we find here that he links hunger, thirst, and righteousness together, implying that righteousness is not an afterthought. It is a necessity for every believer. So righteousness is a necessity for every believer. Hence, he he puts it in that context, right? Jesus begins to state it like that. Now, interestingly, in Matthew chapter six verse thirty-three, it says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." He says, "Seek that first, and all things then will be added unto." So, don't worry about your food. He he uh, uh, prior to that, he begins to. Uh, to share about the context don't don't be worried about uh, what you are to wear what you are to eat what you are to drink and all of that right because he talks about and uses the anal- analogy of the the lilies and uh, the the birds on the in the in the field right they don't gather but yet there is sufficient and plenty for them to eat so the the context of us being more focused about seeking his kingdom seeking his righteousness that must be something that must be sought after deep within us there must be this yearning and this and there's wants to want to seek after him and when and as that begins to happen we find that all things will it, it will just follow after you. You know, I I love the song, Your Goodness your goodness is running after me your goodness is running after me why because as we seek after him his goodness will run after us it will it will more than in fact even more than catch up to us right so the, so the sermon of the mount was given to explain to the disciples the kingdom what, what the, the the sort of the sort of kingdom that jesus wants to build in the lives of his followers so when jesus began his ministry right there were several groups In Palestine, that claimed to have the answer to Israel's problems. Doesn't it sound like, like, like today? right let me take you through some of those groups now the pharisees were all about tradition right their claim was their claim freedom and blessing can be experienced only if people would return to the traditions of the fathers right tradition tradition so did the fiddler on the roof say tradition tradition right the sadducees now they were the modernizers and urged the people to get with the times, update their religion and become more liberal, right? So they didn't consider resurrection was something that actually really did happen. Neither did they consider angels as well. The Essenes, on the other hand, they were separatists. They taught that salvation would come only through separation from the world. So they established their own communities and remained outside the life of everyone else. Then there were the zealots, the extremists. A revolutionary group that sought to overthrow Rome by revolts and force, unwilling to wait for gradual change. The zealots murdered and destroyed in the name of Jewish patriotism. Now today we have somewhat similar groups, right? And so the, the groups are those who, those who say, come on, let's, let's go back. Let's return to those good old days of our fathers. Let's return to to how things were in the past. Right now we hear a lot of late. Now this is going to be the new normal. This is going to be the new normal. No, no, no but people say no, no, we want to go back to the old normal. The old normal, right? Another group says, go ahead. Let's modernize and liberalize our religion and and how we do life, right? So there is no real clear truth. Truth is kind of arbitrary. The Bible is archaic and it can't mean all of that. I'm sure it can't mean that. The third aspect, third group would be we have the radical extremists that shout, go against, go against this institution, go against that, try to destroy vital institutions necessary for the strength and progress of society. And the fourth, separatists that say, let's go out. Isolate yourselves from the very people who may actually need your help. Go buy a huge farm, live in this 20 acres, you know, and, and, and be, self, be self-sufficient, right? Live out there and protect yourself, form a subculture. So the names of the group will change from generation to generation, but the basic aims are the same, amen? So the, the the kingdom of heaven or, or God's kingdom is so different, folks, from our mindsets, from all of what uh, you, you've heard me say, from what the Pharisees would have tried to communicate, the Sadducees, the, the the Essenes, the Zealots, all of that. Right? It's it's so different. It's so different from from that. And so Jesus now comes, and he would all would probably be viewed as a revolutionist, and he begins excuse me and he begins to teach them now this is the way these are the principles you know i've 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 often said this and i think you've heard me say this at least each time i i speak on the beatitudes i wish i'd actually really dug deeper into the beatitudes when i first came to know the lord because i i I saw it like how i saw that when i was within the catholic church oh it's 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 so poetic. You know, it's it's really nice to read and it flows so well. But as I investigated a whole lot more and got into it even more, I realized, man, I feel like I'm living again. You know, I'm starting from scratch all over again because these are these are tremendous principles. It would have made me a far better person, a far better leader, a far better pastor as well. You know, but a far but more importantly, a far better person you know but thankfully there is still time god redeems amen and he brings us to a to a place where he continues to cause a hungering and a thirsting to 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 um to i i I suppose to become an experience in our lives but we must want it friends do you want it What are you hungering and thirsting for, right? We need to dig much deeper into this kingdom to understand and encounter all that is intended and that is laid before us. You know, I I remember a prophetic word given by... By actually, uh, an an amazing man of God, many 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 years ago, and and he and uh, I remember him doing this. He says, "Larry, you've got to you've got to bulldoze through. There are many gifts there for you, but you've got to bulldoze right through to begin to get that." And I and and I couldn't understand what that bulldozing was, but it was it had to do with my personality, meaning I had to really press right in. You know, I had to press right in in order to begin to mine the gifts that are there and the things that God had placed. And sometimes it requires, really requires that. Jesus takes time to explain to his listeners that you've got to get this right before you attempt to share with others, which is what happens in chapter 10, folks, when he sends them out after they've been taught and after they've seen him perform these miracles before their eyes. Now, just a side note here. I just want to say this. Now, the gospel is not devoid of the demonstration of signs and wonders as some may, may, may consider and some may be propagating right the gospel is not devoid of that there are many who tend to deny this right but the gospel of the lord jesus christ is accompanied by signs and wonders in fact in matthew chapter 10 verse 1 he says this otherwise why would he be stating this to them he called and he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases Now this is something for you and I to chew on. This is what Jesus had done. He says, I'm I'm giving you this authority. I'm giving you this power. So I'm teaching you all of this. Now I'm giving this to you. Now go and get it done. You and I go and get it. So what is it today that we need to try and understand in order to go and get this done? What is it that we need to have as a construct within our lives in order to ensure that we continue to get this done? Right? Well... Those who are truly born again have gone through then the steps of the Beatitudes, right? They recognize their spiritual poverty as they have fallen short of God's glory. Even their righteous deeds are as filthy rags before God. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says that, right? The the, the second, and that's being poor in spirit. Then they mourned because of their sin and because they were under God's judgments, and then the third aspect they became the meek who submitted to the lordship of Christ and began to hunger and thirst for righteousness so in these four in itself we see this, this 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 whole message that Jesus is trying to trying to share be poor in, be, be poor in spirit there is something that you need to that, that, that you need to crave for that you need to be emptied out. Right, and, and then comes the aspect of, are you, are you going to mourn now? Are you going to feel real sorry for your sin and for your, for your lifestyle? And then in, in maintaining that, will you be meek? Will you come and humble yourself before me? And in order to continue in that path, he says now, hunger and thirst for it. So therefore, God saved them by imparting the perfect righteousness of Jesus into into their account, right? Or rather, to their account. So in in the Beatitudes, Jesus teaches us that true righteousness is a matter of the heart. It has been well said that the Beatitudes describes the attitude that ought to be in the believer's life. Right? The Beatitudes describes the attitude that ought to be in the believer's life. So what's the attitude that you are about, that you and I are about? So conduct must be based upon character. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, it says this, Above all else, guard your heart for. It is the wellspring of life. So the Beatitudes then are God's description of Christian character, the kind of character that leads to right conduct, right? Now let me define hunger, hunger and thirst. Now the Greek words for hunger and thirst are what we call present participles, meaning that this is a continual hungering and thirsting. So it's not a once, once-off thing, it's a, it's a continual. Right. So, what is hunger and thirst for? For, according to Christ, it is for righteousness. Right. There is something unusual here in, in in when you look in the Greek in this statement. There is something unusual here, because typically, the verbs like hunger, the Greek verbs like hunger and thirst, have. Partial objects, for example, now, I am hungry for some bread or I am thirsty for some water, some. But Christ uses an unqualified object here. It's like saying, I'm hungry for all the bread or all the water. So true believers are hungry for complete righteousness. Now, not partial righteousness, right? It's, it's not okay to love God and yet compromise and yet have a compromising language, Right? Or practice dishonesty or, com- or commit immorality. Now, these people want to be fully righteous. Partial righteousness won't do. And that's what Jesus is trying to exhort and encourage, right? They want to be perfect like their Lord. God created us for this. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For we are His workmanship. Amen. How exciting it is to know we are his workmanship. Having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we may do them. So so the the most amazing thing is this. Firstly, that we are his workmanship. He's created us. Right? The, the, The second aspect in this verse is this, that we have been created now to do good works. Not to do evil works, but to do good works. So that's that's what's innate within us. Hallelujah. And the, the, the last part to this verse is this that it has been created b- way before beforehand, so that we may then encounter. So this is an amazing journey for us to encounter. Right? We are we are on a journey to encounter what all of this is. So what? Let's let's talk about righteousness. Right now, as I've defined hunger and thirst, let's look at let's look at righteousness this this week, what this means, right? And we will look at, at at having an appetite for righteousness. What does having an appetite for righteousness looks like? And next week we will look at what does it mean to lack, to have a lack of that appetite, right? So let's start with with uh, with having an appetite. So this week we can we can we can really work on that. So believers hunger and thirst for the the first aspect is this that what types of righteousness or good works do true believers hunger and thirst for? So what sort of a righteousness do you and I should be hungering and thirsting for. And the first one is this, that believers must hunger and thirst for what is called Christ's assigned, or what what we normally hear within the um within within the the christian circle or within the theological context is the word imputes right so it's imputed or what has been credited to your account so when you go to your bank account so to say you know of your spiritual bank account and you look there and you see man there's no overdraft in righteousness god has given me the full deal he has imputed his righteousness right so how does this how how this works is is that deep inside all of us is a hunger that God has created. So He's created this hunger inside inside of us and He in in that in that context when when there is that righteousness deep down inside when there is that hunger deep down inside there is then the conviction of what sin is. So many of us Even I, if I look back at my, you know, at the the time when, just before coming to know the Lord, I knew what sin was to some extent. But there was something inside that I could not, I could not make out what it was until it came to a point where someone really asked me that question, right? Because in Romans chapter three, verse 23, and this was the explanation given to me as well. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So... Remember earlier we talked about Adam being the first king, and then now Jesus is the second Adam. And in my closing, I'll probably I'll bring that to a to a closure and to a landing in that sense. And and Romans chapter 6, and keep that in the back of your mind, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So because of Adam's sin, we have fallen short of the glory of God, right? And that's why Jesus needed to come. So Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says this, for the wages or the payoff, as some translations put it, for the payoff of sin is death. Now God made man in the image of God to be holy, However, all men have failed to to be like God in action, in word, and in thought. Therefore, because God is righteous and holy, we are under this wrath and deserving of death. And so as we look at, at John, let me, let me read this, this verse in John chapter, uh, John chapter 3, verse 36. And it says here, And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who, who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Right? John chapter 3 verse 36 says this and anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. But if you don't, then you come under God's judgment. Now, in this day and age we we don't quite like to hear the word judgment. So we, we try and omit all of that, but but you can't. We can't do that because that's not the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus coming and dying for you and I, dying for people, for for, for those of us, not for those of us, for all of us who have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And because we can't meet his standards, so we need to come under him, receive him, and then receive this imputed, this imputed righteousness into our lives. Isn't that good news, friends? Amen. Amen. That's right. Out of the five of us here, there are a couple here who are saying amen, amen, amen. Oh, now I've got more, more, I've got most most of, I've got all of the five that said amen, (laughs) hallelujah. Sorry, all of the four, excluding me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, uh, the NIV puts it this way, without holiness, no one will see God. Maybe let me me read that in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see God. So if you don't, if if you and I, if we're not holy, we will not see God. And hence that the need for righteousness to be imputed into us because it gives us a fresh lens. Therefore, how can man have right relationship with God? How can a person be saved and have eternal life, abiding with God forever? Now the answer is simply this. It is by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Sin came through the first Adam. Sin had to now been dealt with and, and it had and, and the way was to find a perfect sacrifice, and the perfect sacrifice was Jesus because he knew no sin and he. As God became flesh, and he began to, and he dwelt amongst us. So that is this this whole incarnational uh, process. Right, you know, last night, um, um, I was watching... Um, a movie on on Netflix and it's Bumblebee. So Olivia, my wife and I were watching that movie, and as I was watching that and uh, and thinking of this this message, it it, it don't it, there there is there is some there is some compar- um, uh, there's some similarity there. You know uh, there was this war going on going on in in i term it as in in the galaxy in the heavenlies as such right. There's this war going on, and so Optimus Prime now tells Bumblebee or B127, and he says you need to go down to earth right and you need to protect the people there because the decepticons are about to come and destroy so the decepticons are satan and his cohorts and here bumblebee is like jesus coming down to earth that the father now sends and what does bumblebee do in order to make sure that he is not seen as any different he becomes a volkswagen beetle and he takes on the shape. So there is this incarnational process there. And, 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 and you know, that is what incarnational means, that you, that, that, he, that you take on a different shape altogether. But in the context of Jesus, it's obviously more than that. I'm just using that as an analogy for you to, to realize that, hey, this is, what, this is what it really looks like. So Adam... Let me say this Adam was a thief and was cast out of paradise. But Jesus now turned to the thief on the cross and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. So the switch happens. That whole transformation begins to happen. Now Adam was tested in the beautiful garden and he failed. Jesus was tested in the wilderness and he triumphed. So everything that Adam lost, Jesus now begins to buy back, redeems it and gives it to us. So you see, the the world now loves sin and therefore hates righteousness, rejected the crucified Christ. And so on the cross, Christ not only suffered the scorn of man and the wrath of God, the anger of God, the fierce anger of God because it was God this was, this was God's wrath against sin. Amen? Against sin. And that's what we must realize. He was angry. It was his judgment against sin. Christ took the wrath we deserved for our sin so he could offer those who come to him the gift of perfect righteousness. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 22, it says this, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God, which is attested by law and the prophets, have been disclosed. Namely, the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ for all who believe, friends. For anyone and everyone who believes. For there is no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek, to all who believe in Christ, acknowledging in his life death and resurrection. And that's the key. The acknowledgement of his life, his death, and his resurrection, which the Sadducees did not want to acknowledge his resurrection. For the sins of the world and turn from their sin to follow him he imparts to those he then now imparts his perfect righteousness to their accounts now 2 corinthians 5 21 and our church staff should know this by heart right now because it's the assignment for next tuesday just thought i'll throw that reminder in (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. In him we become the righteousness of God. So how would you share that to someone? In three minutes, how would you share that? That's the assignment. Now, my second point is this. Believers hunger and thirst for practical righteousness. So what is practical righteousness? We, we we touched on imputed righteousness, which was then given to us legally. It was given to us. Now comes the practical aspect of righteousness. So there is a natural desire, firstly. What is this? There is a natural desire to want to serve God and others through righteous works. We want to begin to help. We want to do works. There is this natural. Some people say, oh, salvation is not by works. Now, this has got nothing to do with salvation. Our works is not to save us, but our works is an outcome of this desire for righteousness, for the hungering and thirsting of that. Amen? It's a byproduct of that. So righteous deeds are not the root of salvation as is taught by so many different religions as well. Now, they are the fruits of true salvation of already being made righteous before God. So James said that faith without accompanying works is dead in James chapter two, verse 17. If our profession of faith does not produce a lifestyle of hungering for and practicing good works, our profession is false. Right, in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, Christ said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will will enter the kingdom of heaven, only the one who does the will of my father. So serving and obeying God is a proof of our true self. If I want to serve God, if I'm f- truly saved, I want to serve God, right? So, how do we apply this now? What are some specific aspects of practical righteousness that believers hunger and thirst for, right? There are. I, I want to leave you with four things, and and we, we we will end with this, right? What what are four four as four aspects of this? Practical uh, righteousness. The first of which is this. It is a hungering and thirsting for souls. Right? So what do I mean by that? In John chapter 4, we see that Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. And after that encounter with Jesus, the Samaritan woman goes and brings all of her friends to, to meet with the Messiah. So the disciples now here are thinking. And, 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 and they come and they suggest this to Jesus. Hey, it's been a long day. Come on. Why don't you come with us to have some, to have food? And so, he, so they're trying to whisk him away for food. Whereas this uh, this lady, this Samaritan woman who now has has had this encounter and what a, what a prophetic encounter there at the well, right? And, and incidentally, even at the well, Jesus tells her, if you drink of this water, you will thirst more. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will not thirst or you will thirst no more. And that's what she wanted. She wanted that water, right? So Jesus introduces himself and she realizes he's the Messiah at that point in time, right, at, at, at the well. Now, interestingly, the well is significant to a place of gathering where many in the marketplace would come. And so you might meet Jesus in your marketplace. You might meet Jesus out there, right, not necessarily just in church, just, a, just food again food for thought there for you now it is it is most natural for new believers oh no sorry let me come back to the part where he then where the disciples then begin to try and get him away to go and um, and 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 have some food right and Jesus begins to respond to them in, in a sharp manner and he and he responds to them by saying, my food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. Look and see, the harvest is ripe. So there is this hunger for souls. It is most natural for new believers to want to share their faith. But it is also not just limited to new, to, to the, to new believers alone, but to all of, all of us who are followers of Christ. Right? Now, is your enthusiasm still present? How's your passion today for souls? Amen. It is good to remember that hunger is a sign of spiritual health, folks. See, so if I'm healthy spiritually, now hung, being hungry for that is is actually a a good sign. The second aspect to that is hunger, and there's there is a hungering and thirsting for God's word, right? Remember, we're talking about what are the what are what are these practical practical aspects of righteousness. So we've seen a hunger for souls. The second is a hungering and thirsting for God's word. When Christ was tempted in the wilderness, what was his response? He responded this way, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. During Now, during his fast, he was eating and drinking. But what was he eating and drinking? He was eating and drinking the word of God. Right? He was r- reminding himself. He was, he was focused on that. Job chapter 23 verse 12 says, I love your words even more than my daily bread. Right, Job 23 verse 12. Psalms 119 verse 97. David declares this. Oh, how I love your law. All day long I meditate on it. Amen all day long I meditate on him friends are you still delighting in god's word you know this is the air i breathe this is the air I breathe this is my daily bread and i i i'm desperate for you i'm desperate for you that song right you know we we you know for me in my in my own in, in my own personal journey when 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 there are major moves that need to happen, I have to get a word from him. I have to get a word from the word of God. And so many times that has happened. And I've realized that when that doesn't happen, man, things don't turn the way that it should, right? Now, as a church, we have a devotional or a journaling uh, uh, process that we've introduced a few years ago, something like soap, but we call it Word, W O R D, which means what is he speaking to us? What, the what aspect? What is this chapter and verse? And the next aspect is, what is your observation of what he is now speaking to you about? What, what are you observing out of that? And the third aspect is, from an observation must come response. So that is the R. So how do I respond to what I'm observing? And now all of this W-O-R now leads into the final aspect where it actually helps determine then your destiny or where you're headed to. Amen. So think of that. Let that be a construct that you can use for journaling. And my third aspect is this hunger and thirst for knowledge of God. So the practical sense of righteousness is to have a hungering and thirsting for the knowledge of God. I must want to know God. Right? Psalms 63 verse 1 that we, I think a lot of us know this psalm and it says this, "O oh God, you are my God. I long for you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Psalm 42, verse 1, we sing this, As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Right? Psalms 42, verse 1. Now, Moses spoke to God face to face and had an intimate relationship. Paul met Christ in a vision at salvation, who received the gospel by revelation. Imagine that. And he, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, says that he was taken up to the third heavens, and he began to, uh, and, and, and he saw and he heard unexplainable words. So it was way, way beyond his ability to even, potentially explain right words could not explain what he saw and what he heard yet he says this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 through 10 I count all of that loss in comparison to knowing Christ more intimately you know when you come to know the Lord it is only he only whets your appetite but there must be this continual hungering and thirsting to know and to experience God more. Amen. And you know many people ask, many people say now what's man this COVID, what's what's really going on here? The 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 most Amazing thing that's happening right now is this, that God's really removing so many things from us and he's bringing us into a time where we will go deeper and deeper and deeper in intimacy with him. That we will not live our Christian walk vicariously by depending on other people, but just me and God. So he's, he beckons you to come to him. Knowledge, hungering, For righteousness means practical knowledge, knowledge of God, to thirst to know God. Amen. And finally, hunger and thirst for specific works. So as Christ, and I I shared that verse from Ephesians chapter 2 earlier, as Christ followers, we are his workmanship. He has fashioned every believer in, in a specific way to serve him. Right, as we continue to walk with God, so this is, as we continue to walk with God, he then cultivates both our desire and our skill, or our capacity, all our ability, right? There were so many that, again, I can only speak of my own life. There are so many things that I never, never knew how to do, but as I continued on, as I continued to hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst, suddenly I'm encountering my, the abilities, you know, for, for different things, the skills for different things. And, and And the only thing I could bring it to is this hungering and thirsting for God. Wanting more, wanting more, not being satisfied. Right. He works in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So for some, it may be to raise godly children. For some, to, be, to serve in business. Maybe some full-time ministry. Some politics you may be called, and, and there may be a specific aspect there. Right? some in the med- medical field teaching etc etc right now we must remember that it is only as we walk continually with god that he will cultivate this hunger and thirst for these specific righteous deeds that he has called us to which will glorify his name so it's not it's not it's not a walk that is disconnected it's a walk that is connected we, we go hand in hand we go hand in hand and we walk hand in And we hold his hands, or he holds our hands, and we walk in this journey. I mean, that's that's that that was that was going to be Adam and Eve's um, journey with prior to them um, failing and falling into sin. It was going to be their 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 journey with him. He would come and walk, talk, walk and talk with them in the mornings, and he would come. I think it's, it's, it was in the dew of day or something along those lines. I mean, just check, uh, look back at Genesis. And that was the heart of the Lord. Amen. So we will never, as we conclude, I want to say this, that we will never be fully satisfied. We must realize that we will never be fully satisfied in this life. And hence, we, we, we hence will have a hunger that will require regular, remember? Regular. The Greek for this is talks about continual, regular attention, nor a and, oh, and and a thirst that can only be quenched by him. But a day will come when all of all of that will 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 in a sense happen that there, there wouldn't be a hungering and thirsting anymore. A day will come, friends, and the day is gonna come. Right, where when we enter into our new abode and enter into heaven, and it says in Revelation chapter 16, uh ah, so, sorry, Revelation 7 verse 16 to 17, and it says, they will never again be hungry and or thirsty; they will never be scorched by the heat of the sun, for the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd; he will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. That day will come, but it's not there yet. So whilst we are here, we need to remember this. This week, remember these four aspects, right? His righteousness that has been imputed to you. You are his righteousness. Are you hungering and thirsting for his word? Is there a a desire to grow in knowledge you know, and and there is this in a desire. I want to. I just want to throw this in as well. A desire to grow in his knowledge will also happens when there is this this passion to want to really worship him. To be when you look at him, you know, as you worship the Lord, as you get into this place, into this holy of holies, you know, into this this deep sense of his presence, and finally. What is it that he's identifying as a specific work that he has placed into your hands? And you know, friends, age is no criteria. I hold here in my hands, I don't know whether you can see it, but it's, it's this, this is this drawing that is here, right? That is done by a uh, nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, I believe, right? Oscar and Zoe Baldacino. Baldacchino. And do you know what they did? This, they had this idea because their mom had said, How do you, how, you know, how are you going to, uh, how can you spread joy? in this current climate. And so they had to think about it, and they said, and this is what he's done. We hope this coloring book brings you joy. Please share your photos of your coloring too. He, he's even got a nine-year-old. He's even got a hashtag, right, on Instagram or Twitter. Obviously, it's their parents' account, right? Now, big thank you. And he says, this is a big thank you to Officeworks Cranbourne for making this possible. You know why? Because they didn't have much uh, ink to print, so they, so he, he, this nine-year-old boy, writes to them, contacts office works, and says, Can we need 65 sets of this because I want to give this to my neighbors. Imagine that. I want to give this to my neighbors. And then at the end, he says, please remember you're not alone. Love, Zoe and Oscar Balduccino. Friends, that was a specific work that was given to these, to, to these, young, to these two young kids. right? Now, I'm hoping that many of you who are hearing that will take this as an example and know that age is no age is no limit right go to someone if you lack something don't let that lack be in the way friends hallelujah amen god bless you this morning we want to enter into a time of communion right now and this is, this is precious because this is a reminder to us. So if I can ask you to bring along your communion emblems and recognize what had happened at the cross. Jesus looking at the thief and saying, today you will be with me in paradise. So this cup and this body, they are a reminder to us of the way in which his righteousness was imputed to us. It was him, Jesus, was not murdered. Jesus gave himself up. Freely, he gave himself up. So as you freely surrender yourself and as you consider all of what I've shared today, all of what you've heard through our service today. Consider this one truth. You are His righteousness. You you and I don't need to feel guilty, to feel shameful. And if you don't know Him, today, right now, I want to give you this opportunity to come to know Jesus. You've heard me share all of this So, I'm not going to repeat that except to say, now might be the time for you to come and say, Jesus, I come to you and I give you my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I recognize your life, your death, and your resurrection. And I know you've taken my sin upon you. And so, as we partake of the bread, Let's partake of the bread and thank him for bearing our sin and our sicknesses. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's partake of this bread together. And again, the new covenant was only made, well, could only be made valid if there was the shedding of blood. And so this cup now reminds us, symbolic to his blood that was shed for us. And as you partake of this, receive now the power and strength that comes through you and I remembering what he did for us. Receive his strength in Jesus' name and receive his healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, folks. I want to give you a few more minutes to begin to just recognize the fact that jesus paid it all for you and i so as we enter into a time of worship let your heart now begin to rejoice god bless you